I charge a car? Can I charge it in the rain? How far can I drive? Electric car? What's a power grid? Is V2G possible? What is V2G? Do I get free parking for my EV? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Electric Avenue, a podcast about the electric mobility revolution and new energy economy as seen from our perspective out here in Central and Eastern Europe. I'm your host, Aaron Fishbone, Communications Director at Electric Mobility Charging Services Provider Greenway, based in Bratislava, Slovakia. We're off the air for last month, recharging our own batteries over the summer, and at that time, there have been so many developments in electric mobility. On today's show, power upgrades, one of the hottest topics in the industry right now for both drivers and charging point operators. And power management platforms, an interview with Virta, one of the largest of these platforms. Charging power is one of the most important topics in the industry today, and ultra-fast charging is one of the hottest topics of all. You know, people here distinguish between high-powered charging, which is usually over 100 kilowatts, and ultra-fast charging, usually meaning somewhere between 175 to 350 kilowatts. But both allow for users to recharge their vehicles extremely rapidly, say between 200 and 400 kilometers in about 15 minutes, depending on the amount of power and what the vehicle can handle. Now, there aren't so many vehicles on the road which can handle this amount of power yet. There's Tesla vehicles, the Audi e-tron, Porsche Taycan, Jaguar I-Pace, Mercedes EQC, and others, but not so many. But as this becomes increasingly commonplace, and you've heard discussion of the new Tesla battery research earlier, so you'll see vehicles with huge amounts of power coming increasingly quickly, you'll see many more vehicle models coming which can handle this power. Where we are here in the Central and Eastern European region, there are just a handful of high-powered chargers, and only one ultra-fast charger that I know of is operated by another company also here in Slovakia. At Greenway, the company I work for, we're going to be rolling out a number of ultra-fast chargers over the course of the next year. Some of them have already been ordered, they're in production right now, and final site preparations are taking place for the early installations while we're still finalizing locations for the later installations. But we'll discuss all of that in a future episode. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Today, I want to talk about our interim step, which is upgrading power at some of our existing 50 kilowatt charging stations. And so in the studio today, I have here two of the guys who are leading the work here to discuss it and share their experiences. I want to welcome Greenway's head of asset management, Mr. Martin Schilhard. Hi there. Hi, good morning. Who's making his podcast debut with us today and a returning podcast veteran, head of research and development for Greenway, Mario Paroja. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you both here. I'm really excited to talk about this topic. I think people are going to get a lot from it. Um, but before we begin, please just introduce yourselves again and um, tell us what is it you do at Greenway each day? Mario? Yeah. So I'm head of research and development. And I'm trying to to find new solutions for problems of uh, future, maybe, not today, as uh, also charging infrastructure and this sector is evolving very quickly. We have a lot of work in a uh, point of view of research and development and future vision, how to put them to the life and uh, make it uh, easy and convenient for every EV user. All right. Thanks. Martin, what about you? What do you do every day? I'm head of uh, asset management department and uh, our responsibility is uh, actually everything regarding the chargers. Yeah, mostly so people can charge on the chargers and if they can't, it's on us. So sorry for that. <laughs> so lately we are uh, replacing the old routers to increase the communication with the charger. We are also replacing the old SIM card provider. So hopefully that will improve our 
communication with the chargers. Okay, good. I mean, these are the types of things that affect their functionality, right? Yeah, exactly. Make them work or not. Okay, guys, so to the topic at hand of upgrading some of our existing locations of fast chargers to make them capable of powering for higher speeds. What is it that we're doing? Yeah, we are trying to upgrade chargers to higher powers. Why? Because we want to save time of our users. And what are we doing more specifically? The old charger had uh, five 10 kilowatts modules in it. Uh, now we are adding new modules, uh, whether it is only five to increase the power to 100 kilowatts or 10 new modules to improve it to uh, 150. So maybe in other words, uh, from 50 kilowatt, which is common standard in Europe and also in our infrastructure till today, we are upgrading to 100 or 150 kilowatts, meaning we are doubling and tripling uh, power there and the speed of charging. And so in addition to adding the power modules and the rectifiers, is there any other technical upgrades that have to happen to the stations in order to make them capable of being able to handle and then deliver this power? Yes, there is. The cables uh, that are connecting the charger to the grid uh, need to be replaced and also the circuit breaker to be able to, to transmit the power into the charger. I understand that the work is done now, still in testing phase, right? Yeah. But the work is done. So, so what challenges were there along the way? So for example, you found out that air uh, circulation within the charger wasn't not sufficient for this higher power in hot temperatures as it was this summer. There would need to be greater ventilation in yeah. order to help uh, cool exactly. when even more power is being yes, generated. Yes, yes. So when we was uh, upgrading chargers to higher power, we also upgrade chargers with new vents, new ventilation systems to allow this higher power. Anything else? Of course, grid is not uh, always prepared to handle such power and deliver such power for our charging station. So we had to some measures how to deliver this power to charger. So you mean that in maybe a more remote location where the grid extends out, there's not that much power flowing through the grid or the cables are not big enough in order to provide up say 150 kilowatts to a charging station. Yeah, exactly. Because this weak and high power charging uh, more than 50 KV is um, mostly dedicated for highways. So for the places which are normally remote from some urban areas and so on where the grid is more developed, there is almost like a rule, not sufficient power. And how do we overcome this? So maybe you remember I was talking here in this podcast about Watt Booster, our system which is supplying uh, location with power from the stationary battery. And this exactly we are doing also with these high power charging uh, locations. We place these high power chargers next to our watt boosters. And so uh, we are slowly charging stationary battery from the grid, which is present there. And then when the high power is needed, we combine power from grid with power from watt booster. Well, that's great. I mean, we were talking how the Watt Booster deployment was a pilot a while ago, and now it seems like it's advanced very much to the next stage, really being used in really practical applications. Uh, we think so, that these stationary batteries will be really crucial and key component of the charging infrastructure and even for energy system of the future. So to start already today and to exploit this potential of stationary battery is our vision and our work, and uh, we believe to that. So you talked about these locations, um, even though they're a little bit more remote. What are the locations and why did we pick these? We choose location on highways because of uh, long distance traveling and need for quick high power charging. Okay. If and you route. want to save time of the yeah. long distance travelers. As we know, 
customers mostly charge their car at home or in work, but when they need fast charging, the best location is usually the highway or near the highway. So the location in Dalitrans was chosen because it's just a few hundred meters from highway near Trenčín. And the other location in Ružomberok is as well just a few kilometers from highway with plans that highway will be built there in a few years. So it's good plan for the future. And speaking of the future, I mean, as I said earlier, there's not so many vehicles on the market which can handle this amount of power right now, but there are some, right? Do we see these in the network? We do, but only few pieces. For this year, I know that e-tron has a goal to sell 100 uh, vehicles in Slovakia, the same with EQC. So we are expecting maybe dozens of those vehicles mm. in our network these months. Yeah. And I guess let me rephrase the question, which is, did we do this power upgrade as a response to customer demand that they were clamoring for more power to charge their vehicles faster? Or are we planning ahead for the world in which there's going to be more vehicles that need this power, but there are not yet? I would say both of these, because this is a you know, the customers will not buy the vehicle if they cannot charge, and nobody will charge if there are not the vehicles. So it's kind of both. Okay. And we have customers now who are asking for this, who've been asking about more power? We do. Okay. Yes. Great, great. Now, what if I am an existing EV driver and my car is not able to handle that much power? Like, I show up at this charging station. Is there any change for me? Actually, this might help you with overheating problems. When there were only five modules, in the charger and they were getting overheated. There were no spare modules to replace those overheated modules, right? Uh, now, when you are charging only 50 kilowatts, there are still 10 cold, let's call them cold modules that can uh, take part in the charging instead of those five. So yeah, it might help you. Yeah, but basically, of course, every vehicle which is capable to charge 50 kV or even less can charge also on a high power charger without any trouble, any limitations. This advantage is just Mentioned. And so I show up at the charger with my vehicle that can't handle more than, say, 44 kilowatts. And what do I do? How will I set the settings on the charger in order to limit the power? Or is that done automatically? Absolutely automatically. So you don't need to really do anything. You just very standardly connect your car, authorized by either application or RFID card. Yeah. And the vehicle communicate with charger, exchange information about voltages and state of charge of battery and so on and so on. And uh, this power, maximum power allowed by vehicle, will flow to the vehicle. That sounds so simple. So user-friendly even. Yeah, we tried to <laughs> like that. And not just we, but all industry, of course, want to be very user-friendly. So this is the result. Well done, guys. What about the cost of these upgrades? Do you have a sense? I do. The hardware was including the cable, let's call it 25,000 euros. We need to add the works, yeah, yeah labor costs. Okay, planning, everything. Yeah. Okay, okay. so around 25,000 euros per station just for the hardware pieces. Yep. Yeah, that's okay. It. Was this a learning experience on the road to ultimately installing the ultra-fast chargers? Was there any knowledge, any things you learned along the way doing this that's going to be applied to installing the ultras later? Of course, of course. We learned that uh, it is big. It is not just um, something which is ending with 100 or 150 kV, but it is just beginning. And we are heading to even more power charging per point and, of course, more points per location. Mm. Martin, I have one question for you. We often ask our guests when they come on to the show some of the myths that they hear out there in the world about electric vehicles. And so I'm curious... What's the number one myth people ask you about electric vehicles that you find is just completely wrong and then have to help educate them about? 
Yeah, I read a lot of uh, discussions on the internet, which may be a bad thing for my my health. A black hole there. Maybe one of the most common is that uh, electric vehicles have their exhaust in the nearest power plant. So the emissions don't come from the tailpipe of the vehicle, rather they come from the smokestack of the generating facility. And uh, my counter question for this is, uh, what kind of power plant do you mean? A hydro power plant or photovoltaic or nuclear? Or what exactly do you have in your mind? And usually this is followed by silence because they have no idea how to continue. And Mario, what about you? What's a misconception or a bit of misinformation, a myth out there about electric vehicles that you hear commonly or people ask you about? Ooh, there are a lot of, but let's face, for example, that uh, many people believe that you cannot drive electric vehicle during uh, cold or hot weather. So the truth is, of course, <laughs> of course, that it's not true. You can uh, drive in cold weather, uh, you can preheat your battery, you can drive in hot weather, of course, depending on thermal management system, which is in vehicle, it's always improving. EV manufacturers are making it better and better. And I, I remember my friend coming from Siberia. He told me that, okay, combustion engine there are, have also big troubles. And what they are doing, uh, the same. They are running engine all the night. So they never switch off engine to get it cold. So maybe this will be really solution also for electric vehicles in a very extreme cold uh, conditions as Siberia. Are there electric vehicles in Siberia yet? No, they, he told me that uh, it's a country where nearest villages are sometimes 200 kilometers. So the transport there is uh, sometimes based on helicopters, not on vehicles themselves. And I didn't hear till now about functioning electric helicopter. Yeah, well, in Siberia, okay. But we know from our friends in Ukraine that there's like 5% of EV penetration in that country and growing, so. Oh, this is surprising, yeah. really. Yeah. All right, guys, I don't want to take any more of your time. I know you got some tests to get back to so that we can actually get these stations up and running for the benefits of the Greenway customers and the EV drivers in the region out there. So thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Dovidenia. Dovidenia. <laughs> As you heard from the interview before, power can be increased or decreased in many ways and for many reasons. Martin and Mario were sharing how it can be increased mechanically by adding new technology to the station itself and by adding hardware. But that can also be done via the cloud and via power management software. Such systems are increasingly critical components of the electric vehicle charging business. I mean, especially as the number of electric vehicles grows, they're needed to manage the effects of all of that electricity usage on the grid. There are companies which specialize in this work. Check one, two, three. And we have a short interview with the co-founder and chief business officer of one of the leading such firms, Myrta, based in Finland. We're here at the Euroelectric Summit in Florence, Italy, and I'm here with Elias Pur, the co-founder of Virta, the charging services company, and also the head of the Electric Mobility Working Group of Euroelectric. Hi, Elias. Did I say your name properly? Yes, perfect. Really? Okay, good. So um, could you first explain what uh, Virta is and what it does? We are an EV charging platform, if you will. So basically, we are providing services for over 200 professional charging networks in, I think, 23, 24 countries now. Did you found the company with that in mind, or is it really just kind of gone with the 
slow. As well. well, of course, we saw e-mobility as one of the growth sectors of the future, but maybe we didn't plan this. So we believe in global digital services and what happens then. And what are some of those services then that Virta provides? It's, it's basically simple. It's our mission. So we provide services where the end user can charge their car, so helping the end user to do their charging. And the other part is to bring the assets, the charging network assets and the cars into the energy system. So the end user parts and related business models related to payments and uh, finding the charging station, getting invoice clearing settlement, also between the parties that are on our platform. That's the core business. But then the future business we see in the energy management side, on the flexibility side. And how is that, in, this, in the higher level sense, how does that work? Well, in higher level it means that when there is uh, peak demand in energy system, we lower the charging speed. That's the easiest part. In the future, of course, there's a situation when we could take also power out of the car. And usually these smallest events, they are what we call uh, frequency containment reserves. So this is like a sequences of one minute that take place maybe once or twice a day. So the car driver don't even notice. You but this is period really... when you would reduce power to exactly, the station? Exactly, uh-huh. exactly. Yeah. Okay, so okay. so these very small things, but very important to the energy system. Yeah, very much. So you're also the head of the e-mobility working group of your electric. Mm-hmm. So can you share a bit what that group does? <laughs> I would say that it's a... Or what it wants to do, I should say. <laughs> it's a bureaucratic group that uh, has very slow functionality. And why, I'm explaining why. It's because uh, all the member countries are involved in all of this working group. So we make policy suggestions and we always circulate them through all our member countries who circulate them through all their member organizations. And, and there's, once, I heard this morning, 3,500 of those member organizations... Exactly, exactly. But, but then when we make statements that are uh, euroelectric policy dis- uh, suggestions to, for instance, related to e-mobility, it means that it's the whole European power sector that is behind them, and that's why we think that we're quite powerful in Brussels also. Would you be able to share some of what's on the agenda of the working group? Well, I think if we look at the rear mirror, the, the biggest achievement, of course, is the CO2 limits that were changed drastically. If you compare it to what was the preliminary plan. And the next thing is, I think, the renovation of the AFI directives, alternative fuels infrastructure. So it's those uh, charging related things, and there might be also some maybe thresholds on how many charging points you have to have in a member country and so on. I mean, there was, I recall, a 10 to 1 for slow chargers and then a 60 to 1 for fast chargers to vehicle ratio put up by the commission a few years ago. But I think it probably needs, it's not just so universal probably. Indeed, indeed. If you take countries like Belgium, which are small countries with very dense population compared with like Finland, which is a geographically huge country and very small population, of course, the infrastructure needs and also what kind of infrastructure they should be. They're totally different in terms Mm -hmm. of both scale and quality of infrastructure. Mm -hmm. It's a really interesting nexus between, you know, electric mobility, you know, the DSOs and TSOs who are, are, I guess, here normally and it's e-mobility that seems to be bringing them together. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, indeed. That brings them together in energy sector, the DSOs, TSOs and uh, the sales companies. But also it brings together industries like car industry and energy industry and digital industries. And uh, the value chain is not fixed. So who will command the value chain? Who is in charge? That's something that is still to be seen. We don't yeah. get, no. What do you hope to achieve through the e-mobility working group? Well, of course, we hope to achieve a large penetration of electric cars mm. in the very near future mm. and also to do it in a way that enables the use of these cars as part of the energy system. Yeah, and I think that's actually a perfect segue to my next question, which is there is so much interplay. I mean, electric vehicles, they need to get their power from a connection to an electricity grid, most likely, mm. and 
require huge amounts of volume, not so often, but large amount of power. And so there's a lot of interplay between the electricity system and the, the electric vehicle landscape. What do you see as sort of concerns or opportunities there? Yeah, I think they're both maybe interlinked. So like you said, the volumes are huge. Uh, so it means that, for instance, in our Virta system alone, in maybe three years already, we have uh, the power capacity of a nuclear power. So we can turn on and turn off nuclear power plant in the energy system, if you will, without any regulation. So it causes, of course, big threats to the energy system. On the other hand, we have flexibility capabilities of a nuclear power plant within one second latency. So that's a great opportunity. And now the question is that how we find market models that everybody benefits from, that how we can limit the peak powers while the charging events take place. And on the other hand, how can we benefit from the storage capabilities of the cars? And I think a lot of different people are looking at these different time-of-use tariffs, seasonality, and things like that. How can they get increasingly more narrow segments of times where charging can be incentivized or de-incentivized to support the grid, create more flexibility, but also help spread the costs over more users. So the grid itself doesn't need to be reinvested in again and again and again. Yeah, and I think the CEO of Accenture suggested that 25% of the value in the energy sector is out of the digital services of the future. So energy is not anymore energy. It's about how to serve it the right way with the digital services. Mm -hmm. And then in the last panel, you had the people saying it's not about selling electrons anymore. It's now about packaging them as services and trying to kind of get maximal value out of each unit that you sell. Indeed. Indeed. That's the case. Well, it's an exciting time. Thank you very, very much for your time. Thank you so much. I wish you best of luck with the Mobility uh, Working Group. Thank you. Let's do that together. Sounds great. So that was just the very tip of the iceberg with Elias Piori from Virta. But this issue of power and power management is so deep, we're not going to be able to cover it in a single show anyway. That's why we have a few of them planned on different levels of power. I mean, it's a constant theme for us in our work in the electric vehicle charging business. And so we'll be coming back to it again and again in different ways. And that's our September show. We're not gonna be releasing another one until October as we're gonna be insanely busy with travel, conferences, the work of uh, Martin and Mario in terms of upgrades and installing the ultra-fast chargers. But we'll be back in October with a lot more to share. One thing we're gonna be doing in October is we're gonna be going to the Impact Central Eastern European Conference in Katowice, Poland in October 9th and 10th. And we'll be creating an episode live from there in their e-mobility track. So that should be really interesting. A new logo for a new electrified era. If this is a topic, then this is a concept that's interesting to you, and really the whole topic of branding in general, and there's a great conference dedicated to this topic. It's called the Charge Energy Branding Conference, taking place in Reykjavik, Iceland, September 30th to October 1st. And it's the only conference to share ideas on energy issues exclusively through the lens of branding. Electric Avenue was planning on being there, but uh, you know life sort of overtook us and there's a lot to do here, uh, so we can't get there anymore. But if this topic is your passion, then I recommend you check it out. Their website is branding.energy. Remember, Reykjavik, Iceland, September 30th and October 1st. Are there any topics that you think we should cover or do you want us to take a look at? Any conferences that you think that we should attend? Let us know. You can post to our Facebook page. Email me directly at aaron.fishbone at greenwaynetwork.com. And please, if you like our podcast, share it with a friend. We're everywhere and easily shareable. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Store, Spotify, Anchor, you name it. 
And before we leave, I just want to give a quick thanks to all the people who helped make this show possible. Our producer, Katarina Urban-Richterova, who's winding her way through Southeast Asia, but still takes time to edit and produce this show for you. So make sure to listen to it, make sure to share it, because she's working hard, even on her travels. Our colleague, Oksana Ferencova, who's in the studio with us right now. Hi, Oksana. There she is, waving. And she's out on the streets of Slovakia, meeting with people, talking with them, recording Vox Pop interviews in order to enliven this show and bring the voice of Slovaks into our show as well. And Julia Birchakova, who's also doing the same, and she's also in charge of marketing and distribution and helping make sure that the work we're doing here gets to your ears. And last but not least, thanks to you, dear listeners. Wouldn't have a show without you. This is Aaron Fishbone wishing you many happy and safe electric kilometers. Maybe we should take also water, no? Just to... Do you want? No, it's better no? to be dry. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, unbelievable.